millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, listeners. Hello, hello, hello. How are you doing? How is everything in your particular part of Lepland today as you listen to this? What's going on? Where are you? How are you? What? Who are you? How is your English? Okay, I hope. This podcast is here to help by giving you a, a source, um, a source of authentic English. I mean, not just not, not, a, not like a tomato sauce. <laughs> like, excuse me, Luke, can you pass the sauce, please? What, the tomato sauce, the... Uh, the brown sauce. No, no, the uh, the sauce of authentic English. Okay, here you go. And I pass the sauce. Yes, I'm here to help by passing you a source of authentic English to listen to on a regular basis. Uh, there are various ways that you can use the podcast to improve your English, but let's just keep it simple and say, all you need to do is listen. Try to follow what's being said and hopefully enjoy the process, even if it's a bit difficult to understand every single thing. Sometimes you will find notes and transcripts on the page for each episode on my website. Checking them can also be a good idea. And of course, there's Luke's English Podcast Premium, which is my paid podcast feed, right? We pay every month about $3 and you can access all the episodes. And in those, I really kind of go to town on teaching you English. I mean, I really get into it properly and uh, use my particular set of skills to help you learn vocab, grammar and pronunciation. And if you want more information about that, you can go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info, of course. I have another guest today. Marie Connolly is back on the podcast in this episode. She came over to the flat a few weeks ago to record this conversation. I know Marie from doing stand-up comedy both in London and Paris. And like a lot of my friends, she does stand-up. She's also worked as an English teacher. But these days, the main thing she does is write. She's mainly a writer now, an author, writing books, both for adults and for children. You might remember Marie from episode 683 in October last year, when she told us some funny stories about moments when French men have flirted with her and the book that she wrote, which contains all those stories. Do you remember that? Episode number 683, that's the last time Marie was on the show. But she is back again to tell us about a new series of books that she's written, this time for children. So if you know any kids aged eight or above and you want to encourage them to read something fun in English, these books could be a good choice. They're written for people with English as a first language, so they're not for beginners, but they are fun, and if your kids can read English, they might like these stories. So Marie is going to tell us about those stories and the process of writing and self-publishing them, like how she actually 
came up with the ideas and her process of writing them and then actually publishing them herself, which is a thing that you can do. I mean, my dad did it, didn't he, with his book, which is available from all good bookshops, by the way, Park Life, it's called. That's my dad's book. Uh, a year in the life of an urban park. But anyway, that's another story for another time. Um, so Marie's going to talk about, you know, the stories and how she wrote them and published them. But this conversation also contains lots of other stuff too, including different types of extreme sports. We'll kind of describe some. The classic old topic of doing comedy to audiences from different countries. And an anecdote about the time Jerry Seinfeld came to one of our comedy shows. Jerry Seinfeld, do I need to explain who he is? He's one of the most famous comedians in the world. Famous mainly from his sitcom, which was called Seinfeld. Anyway, yes, Jerry Seinfeld once turned up at one of our little comedy shows in Paris, and I quite literally brushed shoulders with him. So there's that story. And also some comments from listeners in response to Marie's last appearance and more stuff for your listening pleasure. Right then, so let's now enjoy the company of Marie Connolly once again. And I will speak to you a bit more on the other side of this conversation. You will also find all the links that you need for Marie's books on the page for this episode on my website at teacherluke.co.uk, episode 730. So do check that out as well. But any case... Without any further ado, let's get started, and here we go. Right, so Marie Connolly is back on the podcast again. Hello. Hello, Luke. So nice to have you back here. What's been going on since the last time I spoke to you, which was in October last year, I think. Well, I thought I would be doing some comedy, uh, and then we got confined again in December. So from December till now, I've had my head down. And I'm an author, as you know. Mm -hmm. And I've written... So I wrote a children's book. I had a children's book the last time we spoke. And I started investigating this world of author, this author world. And they said to have a book, have a successful book, you can't just have one book. It has to be, if you're a Mm self-publisher, has to be written in series. So I had this like one book, one kid's book where this uh, marmot gets lost and she goes snowboarding, right? So I'm like, I'm going to have to... I'm going to have to write it in series. So I wrote it. And so the next time she goes river rafting and the next one she goes mountain bike ra- riding and the next one is uh, paragliding and then the next one. So I've written eight sports where she gets addicted to these eight sports. And that's what I've done. Okay, great. What, you've done all eight? I'm editing seven at the moment. I've written all eight and the six are out. I'm editing seven to be released this week and eight needs to be – because the comedy is going to be starting up soon. So I needed to get everything done before the comedy. So I've written eight books. And uh, yes, I'm really nearly finished. Wow! Yeah, and 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 how long are, the, are these books? They're about uh, well, they're 140 pages, say. So they're twenty. They're twenty thousand words. Twenty thousand mm-hmm. words. So they're for kids between eight and twelve, and um, and they're funny. Yeah. Yeah. So the kids between eight and 12, no pictures, just chapter books set in the French Alps because I have, you know, I've got my base in the French Alps. I live in Savoie. Yeah. <laughs> Still. You, yeah. You live up there in the Alps because you do the ski season. I um, did the ski seasons. Yep. Yeah. I did loads of ski seasons. Ski training. 
right? Ski, no, no, I but, was a ski school secretary. Right. I've also taught English in the ski resorts. So, uh, but are you kidding me? I fractured my wrist uh, snowboarding. No. So don't don't ever trust me uh, to teach you anything about skiing or snowboarding. Wait, when did you do that? I did it when the ski instructors said, Marie, whatever you do, it's too icy. Do not go out on the uh, on the snow today. I did it that day and I fell over and broke my wrist. No. That was two years ago. Oh, really? Straight to the hospital. The doctor just asked my age. He, he looked at it and he could, and I said, is it broken? He said, I don't know. How old are you? And I told him my age. He said, yeah, it's broken. <laughs> I went straight to the hospital, had an operation, and they couldn't get my jeans off so because they're too tight. Um, so I have a whole joke about that on stage. That's great. Yeah. Okay. What did they have? To, did they have to cut the jeans off? No. We, uh, he had to call for a second person. <laughs> I couldn't help because my wrist was broken. Yeah. Uh, so they just... They just t- and I'm, and the stupid thing was I wasn't wearing jeans when I I was wearing ski gear, but I called my ski school s- secretary friend. I said they're going to take me to hospital. Quick, bring my jeans. I don't know why, and I I struggled myself. I know how to get into my jeans, but a man taking off my jeans is a different story. And so I struggled myself to get into the jeans because I wanted to be presentable for when I got to hospital. So I was wearing yeah. a snowboard jacket, a ski jacket, <laughs> and these jeans. And then the guy just he was so young and so skinny he couldn't get. Them off, Luke, because wait, it's a skill. Yeah, there is a skill to it, certainly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, wait a minute, why did he need to take your jeans off in order to look after your your wrist? Because they were going to operate then and there. They had to operate. I had broken it in many places. But why did they? Why you what, have to be to naked? Go, they needed to go through the the dream area to get to the wrist in the body. That's I don't know. not. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you about the anaesthetist in a minute. Yeah. No, when you have an operation, clearly you've been very well looked after all your life. You haven't had any operations. Uh, no, I haven't actually. Yeah. They take every. You have to be naked. You have to be completely naked. But why, though? I know. Maybe it's doing? just me. What are, they, uh, what, no. <laughs> what are they doing when you're, hot, when you're fast asleep? They, you can't even have like a dental, like you can't have caps. So you have to tell them everything that might, once you're under the an- anesthetic, they need to know everything in case something goes wrong. Um, I don't know. It's a medical procedure. Like, quick, there's an emergency. Get, get those jeans <laughs> off. She's got a jean-based emergency. Yeah, I don't know why they had to, but they took my jeans off. Uh, they, so the two guys struggled. Eventually he had to call another guy in and I was so embarrassed. And I'm like, they're going to, they're going to pull my underpants down because the jeans are, they were tugging and tugging and tugging. And then, uh, eventually, um, we got everything off. I was like, oh my God. Then we get to into, they put me on this trolley thing. They will, they covered me up. And then we get into the anesthetist and it's an Italian guy, like burly Italian guy. Right. And so I had a gown that was covering me. So I was, I was naked underneath, but I had this gown and he said that he was going to put the needles in my underarm on my armpit. And I'm very scared of needles. Wait, 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 wait. Sorry. Sorry to keep interrupting you. But Go. Like, so wait, to, to give you the anesthetic, yes. right? They normally, they give you an injection, right? This mm-hmm. is the anesthetist. One, one of those difficult words to pronounce. Anesthetist. And yeah. He was, he wanted to jab you with the anesthetic, but he chose to uh, inject you in the armpit. Have never Surely seen. Surely that's like the. Have never seen it before. No. 
And I was, you know what, I, I didn't even question it. I was like, we're in France, things are done, I'm naked, I've got a broken wrist, this guy's going to knock me out with his burly Italian way. Mm-hmm. And he told me, and I thought it was just one needle. I knew you had to have a needle somewhere. I never realized it would be in the armpit, but he, he explained that there are nerves or there's something in the armpit. Right. And he said there's going to be four of them. And I was like, four? And he's like, um, so, but the, before he even started, he, he, he took away my, cl- my coat. I had a little coat protecting me. So my breasts were not exposed. He just, he, he didn't even say anything. He just whipped it aside. So when he turned around, I whipped it back on. <laughs> he turned around. He saw that I had whipped, I covered myself back up and he whipped it back off. So I was laying there with one breast exposed, my underarm up. He was, just and I was like, I don't see why he needed to have the 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 cloak the coat uh, not on yeah. my. Bre- he could have just done. I yeah. don't know why. In order to it. inject you in the armpit, I will need to see one of your breasts. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. He insisted on it, and then he did the first needle, and he said, "Do you feel that?" I said, "Yes." He said, "Oh, the second one's even worse. The third one's even worse, and the fourth one's the hardest." And I was like, "Oh, thank you for telling me that." Oh God. Yeah. And, and how was it? Was it horrible to have the injections then? He did. Uh, he actually, I think he must have been a good anaesthetist because he did a good. Job and then I was out. Yeah, really. Yep. What's it like going going under? Uh, you don't. I I think it's quite quick. Like you start to think, when's it gonna? And then you stop thinking. You're out. Really? Yeah. Just, yep. Wow. Yeah, and then, how about coming out of it then? Coming out of it, it depends. Um, some people react differently. Some people cry. Some people get upset. They don't know where they are. It's confusing. Um, I th- I think I just came out of it and just didn't You're do like, anything. Hi guys. Can I please get dressed now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> how I- long have I been naked with people walking around? <laughs> I was very worried because um, I I think the first question out of my voice was out of my mouth was. Um, I'm going on holiday next week. Can I still go on holiday? (laughs) And the lady said, the nurse said, no, you've broken your wrist in many places. You have to rest. And I said, I've booked this since forever. (laughs) I need to go to Antibes in the south of France. And she said, I'll speak to the doctor. And then I did go to Antibes and I wish I hadn't because I had, I moved it so, it was just so uncomfortable. I was Mm, in pain. mm. I didn't enjoy the holiday. It was, I should have just rested. Ah, well. You needed to go to Antibes. And I did. And you did. <laughs> How's the wrist now? The wrist is good. Uh, and the poor ski instructor, because uh, my, I, wo- I was a ski school secretary, so it was my friend who was the ski school instructor. Yeah. Uh, he felt so guilty, and I was like, don't feel guilty. Good things come out of this. Um, no problem. But the wrist is good. It's fine. And look, that's the scar. I don't know if you can see. I can see, yeah. And that was the apparently, and there's another one here as well. Yeah. Apparently, it was the anaesthetist, the anaesthetist, Anise, anise, there's a niece in there. Anise, anesthetist. Anesthetist. He did the 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 um the scar. He did the the stitches. Oh, the the main doctor let him. <laughs> Wait a minute. He let him. <laughs> yeah. Like, Can I do the stitches? Oh, oh, okay. Yes. You mean meaning meaning he shouldn't have let him. Meaning it was the main doctor's job to do it. And he was like, and the anesthetist, the anesthetist wanted to practice on me he wanted to practice yes and and he did and he did a great job okay yeah 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 but now you have a scar story yes because scar stories are i think are great i yes. love people's scar stories there stories of 
accidents and things like that. Okay, so all of that basically to reestablish the fact that you you worked at the ski school ski schools in the Alps in the yes. French Alps. Yes. And so you have a background um in skiing and snowboarding and yes. that informed the first in the series. That's right. Dude's got a snowboard. Yes. So this little marmot, all marmots are I had never I'm Australian, never seen a marmot before in my life until I got to France. Had you before you got to France? No, and I don't think I Oh wait a minute, no, I had I had seen them before, but I had only ever seen them in the United States or in Canada. Yeah. And uh, I didn't realise that they were in the Alps. And we, we talked about this before in the last time. We were sort of wondering what a marmot is. And I think the English word for it is marmot, oh, okay. actually, in, in, in the end. <laughs> it's not groundhog. It wasn't castor. It was marmot. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm yeah, not going to yeah. look it up now. Yeah. But well, yeah, A yeah. marmot is a marmot is a marmot. And yeah. yes, so that's where I first saw, um, when I came to France, I saw these marmots. And, and that's, they're supposed to sleep. They do sleep. They hibernate. Hibernate. That was very Australian. Hibernate. They hibernate in the winter, mate. Hibernate. <laughs> they hibernate. They hibernate overnight. And, yeah, because they're like, you know, they got to sleep and everything. So um, this, they do hibernate in the winter. But this little one, she gets thrown out of her burrow. burrow <laughs> Jesus, I'm on a roll. And, um, and she learns how to snowboard with all the other animals at night. It's secret. And they're not allowed to eat each other when they're on the pistes. They're not allowed to eat each other when they're on <laughs> Only when they're on the pistes. So all the animals that normally would be sort of hunting each other, they, they call an amnesty exactly. to, to go snowboarding. There's a truce. And there's a big competition at the end and she's in it to win it because she becomes quite – she develops her competitive nature throughout the story. Mm. Right. Is there a sort of um, autobiographical element to this? Are you competitive by nature as no, well? No, no, I'm not. But there are plenty of like – I've got a lot of friends who have had lots of ski accidents and lots of competitive stories. So there's lots of action and adventure, in my opinion, mm. in the book. I'm going to read from the back cover. Magali has a bit of a problem. She's a French marmot, right? I love your writing style. This very conversational style. She's a French marmot, right? She needs to sleep in winter underground, yeah? But she gets separated from her family and meets loads of animals who snowboard at night. Boar, which is like a wild pig. Yeah. Deer, which I think we probably know. Hedgehogs, those little things with lots of spikes on them that roll up into a ball. Foxes. Chamois. Chamois. It's like a big goat. Okay, a big goat. And hares shred the snowy pieces. To shred the pieces is to like snowboard on them in a cool, awesome way. And Magali's never seen anything like it. She's never spoken to other animals before. With the help of Mishka, her new best friend, she adapts to her new situation and learns how to snowboard. Then she gets addicted to the snow park and now she doesn't even want to go home. Dude, when is she going to go home? For age group eight years and older and you've brought up this copy of the book for me to give to my daughter which i certainly will be doing and uh, when she's old enough um we can read this cool that's lovely so eight parts isn't it difficult to write you know eight books in just a few months do you know what i was so determined uh i had this belief that it was going to I was just so determined to do it. Uh, it was difficult and it was solitary. I had to really, it was boring because you, you have to sit down. You can't get distracted. You can't get the internet on. I had to learn to do it as I, because I like to run. I'm somebody, if I like to get up, I'll go for a jog and then I'll come back and have coffee and a shower and then maybe get distracted by something on the internet. And I had to learn to just get up, write 
And as soon as I finished writing, then I was allowed to go for a run if I still felt like it. Um, so it was boring. It was long. It was solitary. But I became not addicted, but I, I became as I saw the progress, I, I saw, I thought, okay, the system is working. I can cross it off. Book one is done. Book two is done. So I had a sense of accomplishment. And I think if you have a sense of accomplishment in anything, then you, you, you're motivated to keep going. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So that's what happened. And I got into the stories. Like I just got into it. I was like, oh my God, this is so funny. Oh my God. Yeah, right. This one. Oh, and what happens next? Oh yeah, she goes parapunting. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, I got into it. Yeah, you, you're very good at stories, so oh. it's, it's that's that's the cool thing, like that. Uh, just sort of get going with the flow and going with the story. Yeah, wonderful. Okay, that's fantastic. So, what's the what, what's going on with this then in terms of publishing? Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm I like storytelling. I'm not exactly good at marketing, mm-hmm. um, and so that's what I'm learning now. So, I've got the first. This book here's dude's got a snowboard. Uh, I've got it up in uh, on Amazon and Google Play and uh, Barnes and Noble in the states, all different places, and it's free. Apparently, this is the marketing technique. This one is free, and then the rest of them are not free. So people can see if they like my writing style. I don't know how long I need to do this for, but at least for six months, maybe, mm-hmm. to keep it up for free, so that I can develop my reader base. And so I've just started this free business. So if anybody wants it, they can go to Amazon.com or they can go to Barnes & Noble. You can, I'll give you a link. Yeah. Um, and then uh, and we'll see if the, the kids – because how many kids – like apparently I was like, how many kids read on an e-book? But apparently there are kids that read on e-books now. So uh, I've put it up on the e-book for free. The paperback obviously is not. And then I think they prefer to read with the paperback, my age group. 8 to 12. It, in the States, it's changing. So um, so anyway, so the marketing – so we're at, we're at this stage where I can see every day on my little on – um, on my dashboard that people are downloading the book. Uh, my little marketing is working. But now I'm, I'm at that stage of uh, when are they going to read book two? When are they going to read – and somebody in Australia has read book two and somebody in Australia has read book three. So I'm waiting to see if they read through all the series. But you don't have to read – I've written it so that you don't have to read, for example, the snowboard one. You could just pick up the like the river rafting one mm-hmm. and just read it as a book on its own. <laughs> Snowboarding, river rafting. Bike, m- mountain biking and then paragliding and then bobsleighing. And then it was uh, rock climbing, yeah. paintballing, and the last one is wakeboarding. Wakeboarding. So I'm just thinking of some of those activities. I wonder if everyone knows them. Wakeboarding. And the other ones were – no, the ones that I'm thinking that uh, people might not know were – oh, I, try, I can't remember now. Rock climbing. No, that's fine. A paintballing. Paintballing should be okay. Yeah. Shooting balls. Bobsleighing. Bobsleighing. Yeah, it's like bobsledding. Bobsledding in the, in, is the American. Bobsledding is the UK, uh, where they go on a luge, which is a huge tube, I guess, like a cylinder that goes down the mountain. Made of ice. Sledding. So you sled down in on a sled uh, really fast. Is it is it the full large metal sleds, the, the the ones with like three or four people in them, or are they well, the smaller suppose ones? these these ones are the the animals make them themselves. The beavers make the wooden sleds, right? So they're one. Well, they 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 fit. It depends. The hedgehogs can all fit onto one board. The chamois can only go one at a time. So it depends how big the animal is. But okay. they go super fast, and there there are accidents left, right, and center. Going down. 
going down very, very slidey ice sort of tunnels or ice tracks. You see that in the Winter Olympics. And you know where in my ski resort where I live, we have a bobsleigh track. Yeah. It was the Winter Olympics. It was the Winter Olympics bobsleigh track in France. So yeah. the, the ski resort is called La Plagna. And um, and so that's where I go. And my friend works for the bobsleigh um, track. So I'm like, I just, I'll just do one about bobsleighing. And it turned out, and I don't, I have, I'm a bit scared of, of speed, but, and I've never been bobsleighing, but it turned out to be one of the most fun books I've written because yeah. it was just really cool. They just do stupid stuff. It makes me think of that movie. Uh, uh, cool Runnings. Cool Runnings. Yeah. yeah. If you think of Cool Runnings, so that's the bobsleighing. Paragliding. Does everybody, do you think? Paragliding. There's another one. Yeah. Go on. Okay. So how would you describe paragliding? Um, Paragliding, is this where you kind of go up to the top of a mountain and you've got a parachute, right? Is it the parachute? Yes. Yeah, and then you kind of, you jump off the side of the mountain with a parachute and you kind of slowly glide. It's not a parachute. It's something else that allows you to glide uh, through the air very, very slowly. So you don't fall as, as quickly as you no, would do. No, it's like a parachute. Yeah? Yeah. But don't you... you, you... It's, not paragl- it's not the paragliding. Oh, it's paragliding. It's It's... I don't know. It's parachuting, but I call it. I've called it paragliding but on my para- book. Parachuting for me would be jumping out of a plane ah. and then free falling for a bit, and then pulling the cord, and then so no, it's paragliding. Paragliding right. is much slower and much more pleasant, and you yes. glide from yes. left left to right. You glide around the mountain and yes. stuff. Paragliding, yeah. yes, and, yeah, and you, you can you can do it, um, you know. Uh, without an engine and then there are some that have like um, a fan on the back with an engine attached and you can use that to just like fly around uh, much longer much further distances of course because you've got a power source behind you Ah. but but the most common one is just like yeah you just like leap off a mountain with this parachute and you slowly glide to to the earth that's it and because I live in the mountains and in the summer um, my friend has a a chalet and just across the road is the place where everybody jumps off the mountain Um, and so I I like to walk a lot and so you often see people swirling around in the air it's nuts they're so high and I live very close to the Italian border and I'm like they must be just flying over the Italian Alps and now they're back over the French Alps and they're going from resort to resort up in the sky. It's just crazy. Have you ever done any, any of those extreme sports or anything? I did years ago. I worked in uh, Le Des Alpes, which is another ski resort. Uh, I, I was there in February. Really? Yeah, my what? wife, daughter and me, we went to Le Des Alpes um, for a little holiday. The, the ski slopes were closed, as you know. Ah, yes. Um, but it was great because, um, I mean, we just went. The, they were still the, what do, you, what do they call the kids club there in, in the Alps? Um, the little pew 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 that's it so the kids club was open and so we enrolled our daughter for a few days and we we got to see her kind of like cruising around learning to ski which was really cute and then there were we could still go on the mountain there was still snow so i was doing a lot of sledging good uh sometimes with my daughter sometimes just on my own yeah fun you know like remembering what it was like to be you know, a kid again. Do you say sledging? Because I would say sledding. Say Is it the same thing? It, it must be the same thing. Yeah. Just like going down the mountain on a sledge yes. or a sled yes. as, in some cases. Yeah. But I call it sledging. Yeah. Ah. Um, so that was great. Yeah. Led does up. Really nice. Loved Beautiful. Mm. Well, that was my first ski resort where I went to, to work uh, years and years ago. And uh, we got uh, we we got discounts, and so this guy said, oh, "Let's do paraponting, which is the French word for paragliding." Yeah. And I said, "Okay," forgetting that I have a fear of heights, right? <laughs> so we get to the top. We drive. Uh, he takes us up, and he attaches me to him. And there's this huge uh, 
plastic thing behind us, purple uh, parachute. And I'm like, what are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? And he's like, the wind, Marie, the wind. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's not a plane, Marie. You don't just get in and turn a key. (laughs) You can't just, just turn a key and start flying. We're waiting for the actual wind. And so we zoomed down, and I think I kept my eyes closed uh, the whole time. I'm, I'm not very good. But he, when we got to the bottom, he said, do you have a – can you drive? I said, yes. He said, right, drive me back up the mountain. You take my car back down. I'm going to go for a big, long um, fly by myself. So he just gave me the keys to his car, and I drove myself down the mountain very slowly in yeah. his car, left the keys, I think, on the tire, and that was it. Very cool. Yeah, it was cute. Yeah. Okay. Nice. All right, then. So Dude's Got a Snowboard, uh, the first volume in the series, is available free as a, as a download for your Kindle, uh, for your e-reader. I guess that's what it's called, right? E-book reader. Um, and yeah, you'll find a link um, on the page for this episode, in the episode description, in the show notes. But otherwise, just go to Amazon.com, I guess. Yeah, whichever country you're in, yeah. uh, doesn't matter, Amazon.fr. I've actually translated, so the next project is for me to translate the eight books into French. And the first one is already out in French. And I, uh, so I, I roped my poor friends into helping me with uh, verifying everything yeah, was okay. Because yeah. I'm, <laughs> and, uh, and two people have left five-star reviews that I don't know. Whoa. I'm like, they got my, they got my humor and my friends who gave it to their, their kids to read. They're like, my kid likes it. And I'm like, it's so good to, yeah. to know in a different language that I'm, I'm able to translate that humor. What a great feeling. It was. It is. Because as a comedian, who performs in English and in French, do you get a feeling that there is a difference in the sense of humour? Uh, there is. In France compared to in the English-speaking world? Yeah, I think there, there's defi- there definitely is. But at the same time, it's, uh, I think your personality has to be the thing that shines through. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a hard one to describe. It's definitely a different, different audience. It's definitely different, different humor. But with that book, um, it's the same story, but I've had to change. For example, one of the characters is called Henry Le, the, Le Hare. He's a hare. Mm-hmm. Um, hare, by the way, listeners, is a large, like a large rabbit that runs very fast. Yes. And um, he, uh, I've had to change his name, and I think I had to change. Uh, I've had to change a couple of just names, a couple of. Um, they say certain things. I've had to change their little ways of speaking and make it Frenchified. Um, but yes, there is a difference hmm. in humour. Because I'm, I, I mean, I, as someone who performs to French people in English, and you know, like I told you before, sometimes they don't realise when I've made a joke, and I, you know. I mean, I, I often talk about my moments of failure or, or um, awkwardness on stage. I don't mean to give the impression, audience, listeners, that I'm a rubbish comedian. Because I'm not. I'm very funny. <laughs> yes. But um, um, I do get that feeling sometimes where I'm thinking, I'm trying to work out uh, what my audience is thinking, what the French audience is thinking. Sometimes I've got no idea. Um, I really have no idea what they're thinking. And I kind of think, what is it that they need? What do they want? Sometimes I feel like, uh, and I'm treading over old ground here that I've talked about this before. But sometimes, whoops, sometimes I feel like um, maybe it's the the lack of English uh, abilities, but I feel like I'm talking and they don't realise that I'm in a mode. I'm in like a uh, a comedy mode and that they maybe just take what I'm saying on face value. It's very hard to, it's hard to give an example of that. But sometimes you just kind of take a different perspective or you talk in a way where, you know, 
I guess for an audience back home, they would understand that you're being humorous about something. Whereas um, sometimes all, I feel like audiences here don't aren't aware of that other world of like humor. But I think that's probably due to the English level. Yes, I agree. I agree. I did a gig not just recently because we've just reopened. Uh, and half of the audience were French, and I experienced the same thing. And it's frustrating because there were some killer jokes in there, like oh, yeah, really yeah. good jokes. And it's just so frustrating because I'm like, um, you don't get it. I can see you don't get it. Why aren't you laughing? Yeah. Half of them are trying to laugh. The other half are just looking at me. They're curious. They're curious, but, Luke. You know, yeah, they're curious, which is good. I'm glad that they're curious. I'm mm. glad that they're in. They're trying to listen. But, yes. I mean, you know, of course, the the, the the humor is always the last thing that you understand in a in, in another language. I think that it yeah. it is like a sort of other dimension. Yeah. That uh, you you can only you're only going to find that stuff funny if you understand it immediately. That's right. So I think the key is to keep it extra relevant to things that they can connect with. So I have to talk about Paris. And uh, I can't just be doing the funny... Like there are lots of comedians in the UK that I like that just are very clever with their words. Yeah. There's no, you can't be doing the clever stuff unless their level is very, very good and we can never know their level, can we? No, we can't. So... I've seen it here. I've seen English comedians do very funny stuff and they don't get that reaction. I'm like, ah, oh, they're very funny. They've come off the stage and I can see that guy going over in his head. Oh, my God, that didn't work. But I know it's so funny. Talking of comedy. Now, uh, last time we were on this podcast, we intended to, t- to tell a story, but we didn't get around to it. So we must do that now. Let's do, do it. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do. What am I talking about? You're talking about the Jerry Seinfeld <laughs> time. The time we saw Jerry Seinfeld in person. The Jerry Seinfeld incident. Yes. So, um, so you know, the English language stand-up comedy scene in Paris is pretty small. It's sort of, um, it seems to kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it sort of, uh, I don't know. I don't know, you're doing something with your hands like an accordion. (laughs) This is a word that I definitely came up with the other day. It retracts and... uh, uh, It expands and retracts. It it gets bigger and smaller. It's yeah, a a micro, it's a mini... Anyway, it seems to um, expand and then get smaller and kind of, you know, there's always like the sense that any minute now it's going to blow up and it's going to become a thing and then it never does. Um, Anyway... Uh, the the gigs we do are pretty small gigs and typically you get, I mean, if you get 50 people in a room, then that's like, whoa, this is great. Yep. Whereas most of the time it's between 20 and 30 people. Sometimes you get like a couple of people. Yep. It's a bit like this sort of, you know, open mic level or first couple of levels that you get in, in London or something like that with audiences that are mixed of French yeah. people, expats, tourists, uh, people with varying levels of English. So anyway, uh, we were at um, the Great British American... No, no, it was the New York Comedy Night, Sebastian Marx's show. And, well, what's your? how, how did this go for you? How, did you know that Jerry Seinfeld was going to turn up? No, you told me. I was... It's, it was at a comedy club in Paris called the Barbez Comedy Club. And they used to do uh, a show in Spanish where they had uh, four comedians. As you know, I speak Spanish. And I started gigging in Spanish. So I had done 10 minutes of uh, my show in Spanish. Very difficult, by the way. I kept forgetting. I was going in from French to Spanish, from French to... And it was just hard to stay in that Spanish language. Anyway, so we had... And the other... 
the other uh, comics are very nice uh, who do the Spanish gigs. They're, they're French. As, they're French. Mm-hmm. And I had noticed downstairs uh, after my show that, sh- uh, that Shirley, the person who runs the club, was running around and there were like little mini um, aperitif, uh, ha- little mini hamburgers and little mini nibbles, nibbles, food to eat yeah. uh, at a party, like a party food. And I could see them getting out champagne glasses. And I'm like, this is nuts. It's just the New York comedy night afterwards. Um, this is a bit strange. So I knew something was up and I knew my friend was going to gig. So I thought, I'm going to stay and support my friend and yeah. watch her gig. Yeah. I walked upstairs. I looked in the room. And normally, as you say, there's 30 or 50 people. The place was packed, as in loads of people. And I saw a lot of French comedians who never come to the New York English Comedy Night mm-hmm. and a lot of good French comedians, like of good quality, like higher level. Yeah, yeah. And I saw Luke sitting there. So that's when I walked over to you. Yeah, and we ended up sitting down together. And so I'd been tipped off by Sebastian yeah. that uh, someone special would be performing at the show. And he didn't tell me who it was. I don't uh, know why he didn't tell me. I don't know. Yeah. And I was like, right, okay, well, I'll come on down. So I turned up and I managed to get out of Sebastian that it was Jerry Seinfeld. And it's like, what? Jerry Seinfeld's coming to our show. This is weird. And yeah, you say that it, it was packed, but it's a small room. Yes. There must have been about only about 50 people yes. in there, it can't, I, I it can't say. hold too much, yeah. No. I think maybe 60 people. You reckon? Yeah. Because the comedians were all sitting at the back, uh, like right. squished up together. Okay. I didn't see them. And uh, yeah, so Jerry Seinfeld at our show, it was so weird because... Um, it was totally unexpected. It turns out that he was on holiday and he was asked. I don't know if he was asking around if like, hey, I'd like to do a show. I he don't must, know. He must have. He must have. And so they sent him to Barbe's Comedy Club. I don't know what he thought. What do you reckon? Do you reckon he was he he was um, underwhelmed? Well, do you remember? Because Barbe's Comedy Club is, first of all, it's in uh, not the nicest part of Paris. It's in quite a rough part of town, it's yeah, true. Yeah, it's a lot of, there's uh, you, you walk out at the end of a gig and you've got to go past the drug dealers and the prostitutes. It's proper, it's proper yeah. full on. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and so I quite like it. I find it a fascinating area. But, and there's also the butchers, always smells of like, meat raw meat raw goat's meat and raw pig's feet oh. yeah yeah it's proper it's proper like there's the pig's feet the drugs and the prostitution all going on at the same time right yeah, yeah. so um so it's in this area first of all it's in this air back street area and then that the, the club is itself is very tiny and it's on a corner and do you remember he was i don't think that guy must have been in a room that small since his childhood yeah because in a, in the united states everything's Flipping massive. I mean, they're huge. Everything is huge there. Rooms, stages, TVs, cars, people, <laughs> everything. I, I think he compared it to a doll's house. I think he I, – I, I got the feeling that he thought he was in a doll's house. Yeah. Didn't he say that when he's in Europe or when he's in France, like everything is so tiny, it's like uh, being in a doll's house uh, or something like that. Okay, yes. Yeah, yeah. And do you remember there was a motorcycle outside or there was traffic outside? I think it was a guy on a motorcycle. Yeah. And he, he, he was being heckled by a motorcycle effectively <laughs> from the outside. Yeah. He said, yeah. oh, that's my driver coming to pick me up. Or, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So imagine, I don't think he's been on a stage where he can actually hear the outdoor noise <laughs> so clearly as, as he had that night. This is a guy who is one of the biggest names in comedy um, in the English, you know, in the English speaking world. Um, He's absolutely huge. He would sell out 
Madison Square Garden. And you would pay how much to see him? I don't know, but we a saw lot. him for free. And do you remember how close we were? Because yeah. it is a small room. Well, as he as he walked up to the stage, he he brushed my shoulder. Hey, he, he, yeah, he, uh, I was sitting there, sort of, um, you know, in one of the seats. And he, as he took to the stage, yeah, he brushed my shoulder as he walked past. I was like, yes, yes, you, have Jerry Seinfeld, brushed the my shoulder. God has touched your shoulder. Now I, I will be, now I will be a great comedian because <laughs> my shoulder was brushed by Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah, and he looked good, didn't he? For like, I thought, God, this guy looks good. How old is he now? He's like he's 50s. in his fifties, yeah. and he looked really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's in good shape. He um, said he was there for his wedding anniversary, right? And he, I think he was just trying to try out some new jokes. I think he was coming to try out some new. I think he's a comedian. Comedians, yeah. wherever they go, if he's at that level, he can just ring up a club and say, "Hey, I want to come down." And they're not right. like me. I have to knock <laughs> on doors to let people give me three minutes on stage in French. Do you think it's happening? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. But this guy just rings up. Yeah, come down. So my friend was on first. She yeah. gig- and do you remember he had a a group of six New Yorkers? Yeah, like right. they were in from New York. I can't do the accent. You can do a good uh, mafia accent. Hey, uh, hey, I can do a mafia <laughs> voice like this. Uh, I don't think they will. Uh, you know, friends of Jerry. Uh, we're friends of Jerry. Uh, we're going to take a seat here, okay? I don't think he's got friends like that. But um, yeah, but there was some. There was a six. There were older people of Jerry's age. Yeah, uh, sitting in the New York people sitting in the front. My friend got up on stage. I think she was a bit nervous. Poor thing. Imagine turning up to do a gig like you've gone through your gig all day. You're like, right, I'm going to do five minutes. I'm going to kill it. And then you're like, oh, you're going to open up for Jerry Seinfeld? <laughs> Fucking hell! I mean, seriously. So she got on. She did her shit, and then she got off stage. Jerry gets up on stage. Then he starts telling jokes. And I think the reason why he came was to test new material because at the end. Do you remember he said, does anyone have any questions? I do remember that because I thought this is, I, I want to interact with Jerry. He was like, any questions? That's how he ended his show. He's like, okay, so any questions? Which is a pretty funny way to end a, a, a Yeah, a bit bizarre. I've never seen that before. And so I was like, hmm, I will set something up for Jerry to riff on because he likes to sort of make observations and jokes about specific things in our everyday lives. Yes. Very observational. So I thought, hmm. And another thing that he's done in the past very, very well is talked about breakfast and breakfast cereal. The specific minute details of breakfast cereal and routines around it and stuff like that. So I thought, hmm, I will ask Jerry about uh, how, what he thinks of French breakfasts. So what did I say? Like, Go on. Yeah, I think you said I asked first and then you asked a second or one of us anyway. Yeah. But yeah, you said, what do you think of French breakfast? Yeah. I think you said something like that. Yeah. And? Yeah. I said, what do you think of French breakfast? And his response was like, you know, like, what do you mean? They have <laughs> they have breakfast here too. Yeah. Huh? What do you mean? Next question. You were feeding him a joke and he didn't take it. Yeah. Weird, like, weird, what? weird. I know. And then I asked him. Oh, what are you? What are you getting your wife for your wedding anniversary? Something like that, mm-hmm. and he he just he just went off on a. Di- he talked about horse racing, so clearly he wanted to try it. In my, I knew exactly what he was doing. This is how I interpreted. He just wanted to try out his new joke about horse racing. He was looking for an in, and the same with you. He was looking for an in for another joke that he was trying to test, mm. and he just. He didn't answer my. He didn't answer my question about what he was going to get his wife, and he just talked about horse racing. Yeah, it's a bit weird. Wasn't and it? I just thought that was bizarre. Do you think that he had a good gig? Because one of the things that I often think is that, you know, when we're trying to make our audiences laugh, we talked earlier on, you know, about is it me or is it 
the level of English or is it the cultural difference or what? What's going on? And I often think, what about like one of the best comedians in the world if they got up on our stage would they just have exactly the same experience as us no they wouldn't have the same because you could see people were ready to laugh because they were just so fascinated and in awe of the guy so they have it easier but i don't think they experience that level of uh i mean it's not the same it's not the same as what they're used to they're used to adoration like complete laughter yeah because what jerry will get on stage in america and the audience will just applaud and cheer until he tells them to stop yes it's like stop please stop yes uh, whereas here no not the same level of <laughs> instead here it's more like oh um, you know my boyfriend says that this guy's a really big deal it's a bit like my audience now who are listening to this we're like okay luke yeah and marie we're sure that jerry seinfeld's a, a big thing we don't care yeah but um i'm sure that he's really great um it was probably a bit like that like the audience are like not sure some of the people don't even know who he is exactly some people are massive fans and then most of the other people are like oh my boyfriend says he's funny so all right yes so he didn't get the full adulation yeah i don't think he had what he wanted i don't think he had the the response that he was expecting Mm, and i think it's good it's good for a comedian to have that and it's good for us too because we get to see Jerry Seinfeld not doing that well. Yeah. But he, yeah, he didn't get the response he wanted. He didn't do that well. He didn't smash I th- it. I think he was comfortable on stage. I think he, I think he was comfortable on stage, and yeah, he didn't smash it. But, um, but I think the audience just were in awe of him. Like the, well, I know that the comedians were at least. So they might not have, and they didn't ask questions. We were the only two to ask questions. Yeah. I think maybe in the states he would have like had a million hands go yeah, up. Of course, yeah. Um, but nobody wanted to because they're they're in awe. That's why, or they just don't know what to say to Jerry Seinfeld for the reasons you just listed. They don't know him. Don't really know. <laughs> and and also in those sorts of situations, if English isn't your first language, then you're not gonna yes. you're not gonna risk it. Yyes, that's you? right. You're not gonna a risk being like berated or um, taken, having the piss taken out. Or even of you, even not, not even that. Just, just being, you know, saying something in front of other people is not necessarily the, what you want to do. You know, even if there was no risk of of people making fun of you, it just in a room like that. You know, speaking in English is probably just far from people's... Uh, and I don't blame them. I don't blame them. We no. asked, we're English native speakers. We asked normal questions and he didn't even answer them. Yes, <laughs> I know. Still, it was great to see Jerry I was, Seinfeld. I was perfect. It was superb, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it was. was just so cool. I just, got, I remember I, I kept looking at him thinking, I can't believe how close I am to you. Yeah. This access, it's the six, what's that six set separation? Six, six degrees. degrees. Yeah, I'm like, Jesus, it's happening, Marie, it's happening. Like I could touch your face. And he touched here. Luke's shoulder. He touched my shoulder, he did. So, yeah, but we didn't actually meet him because he disappeared afterwards. Yeah, I kind of wanted to, to find an excuse to go downstairs, but I thought, don't you do it, Marie, don't you do it. Don't be that stalker comedian. Mm. Have you ever met any famous people, famous comedians or... Uh, I don't people. think I have met any famous people, but the the one my the one time I was very close to somebody famous was Shirley Bassey, Ooh. who is an a singer, a Welsh singer who I adore. She sang a couple of James Bond themes. Dim- was it Diamonds Are Forever? Maybe not. Diamonds no, Goldfinger. Are- Goldfinger was the Gold- big one. Goldfinger. <laughs> but uh, she did Diamonds Are Forever as well. Oh, okay. So I didn't meet her, but I was working in London for the Royal College of Music, and I had to stay back late one day to do some masterclassy stuff. And I wa- so the the college was empty, and I had to walk through the corridors, and I heard, and I'm like, Jesus, that sounds like Shirley. Like I just walked down the corridor and went, 
that sounds like Shirley Bassey. And it was. It was Whoa. her practicing. I was like, I didn't open the door. I didn't go in. So I didn't see her. But I was in the same building as Shirley Bassey. And did, you, did, 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 did the thought cross your mind, Shirley, you can't be serious. <laughs> Shirley, you can't be serious. Oh, my God. <sighs> Do you know what? It didn't. No, I'm not surprised. <laughs> Why would it? <laughs> so, yeah, but for famous comedians, I, I don't think I have, uh, apart from you, Luke. Oh, uh, well, yeah. Well, I'm not do you that. know what? There is, do you know a Scottish comedian called Danny Boy? I've heard of Danny Boy. Right. Yeah. So I love Danny Boy I, yeah. because he's very conversational. Uh, yeah. He's storytelling. And uh, I find him charming and he's not a bad looking guy either, right? Mm-hmm. So he's my uh, one of my idols in the comedy world, him, Tommy Tiernan, Cat Williams, right? And so Danny Boy, I was in London, South London doing a gig. No, I had just gone to watch a gig actually. So standing at the back where the comedians sit, had a glass of water. There's a comedian on stage. I think it was it was uh, it was a female comedian, well known. Mm-hmm. And who walks in? The Danny Boy. Right? I had seen him in Edinburgh years before he became really big. I had seen him in a small theatre, and um, so he walks in. He comes over to the comedians to my table, and he says to like we're watching the comedian. Everybody's being very respectful and quiet, and he whispers to me, "Is that your drink?" And I said. Yeah. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> Whoa, the chemistry. Was, no, no, I didn't know. I was starstruck. Like, I, you don't know how much I fancy this guy. Yeah. And I, um, but I just lost it. I didn't know. I, I couldn't react. And I was like, what a weird thing to say to me. Is that your drink? It's quite obviously it's my drink. But, uh, Why did he, was, that, was that his pickup line? Was it? Was Luke? he chatting you up? Was it uh, indeed? Is that your drink? Uh, maybe it is and maybe it isn't. <laughs> What's it to you, Danny boy? Do you want to share my drink? Yeah. Shall we share bodily fluids? <laughs> so, um, no, I don't know. If, was it? Was, did I miss my chance? I think I missed my why, chance. Why would he be asking you if that was your drink, though? Is that, is that your drink? I think, you... I think it's a guy trying to just say anything. Yeah. Guys say stupid mm, shit to yeah, me. Just to start all the time just to just to start some sort of interaction and then i never act like i, I never i don't have it at the time afterwards you're like ah i should have said this he would have thought i was so funny and brilliant what, what n- thinking back on it now what would have been the best thing to say in response to that so hi uh, is that is he got a scottish accent as well he's got a scottish accent oh my god he's got a great scottish accent is that your drink he says. Is that your drink? And then you say. And then I've only had 10 years to think about this, <laughs> what I would say, and I still haven't come up with the answer. I think it would have been, yes, it is. Would you like some? <laughs> I think I just nodded yes. And I smiled. I smiled. Yeah. But it's because he, he put it in the context, you can't speak over a comedian while they're on stage. It's not like I'm going to just start speaking to him and having a big conversation. But I wish I had of. Hmm. But yeah, so that was my Danny Boy incident. Danny Boy, if you are listening to this, because everyone listens to this, uh, then please get in touch. <laughs> uh, Marie would like to, you know. To redo that conversation, I'll come up with something more exciting. She'd like to rekindle the the fire that 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 ignited at yeah, that, at that, that moment. Yeah, in that South London moment. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Right, Okay. Jerry Seinfeld, he wasn't very funny. He was. No, he like... was. He was. He was all right. He was all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So I wanted to read out some comments that I received from a few listeners um, in response to our last episode. All right. All right. Is that Go okay by it. you? I've yeah. just made a little selection. Oh, yeah. Um, 
I was wondering also if I made up this joke or if this is your joke. Go on. I don't remember. All right. Because um, I put this into the introduction of the last episode. Don't read it before I've said it to you. So we were talking about your book, your the, the 40 feel-good stories. No, 40... 40 Frenchy feel-good flirts. 40 Frenchy feel-good flirts, the story of, stories of flirting with, with, with French guys. And uh, your book, and you know, it's about moments when guys flirted with you, but things didn't go further, so there was no sex. I'm sure that you came up with this. So it's less 40 shades of grey and more 40 shades of, hey, how are you doing? <laughs> no, I didn't. But that must have been you. I like it. <laughs> All right. I'm quite proud of that then. Can't believe I actually came up with that myself. <laughs> I like that. 40 shades of, hey, how are you doing? Okay. So um, first one is from, I'm wondering, if, I'm wondering if this one is too personal, but you can, you can tell me. So this is from a listener whose name is Golden Advice. Oh. Interesting name. Yeah. So it goes like this. Hi, Luke. I wonder why Marie turned down these brave French men who were hitting on her. It's a pity that you didn't ask her about that. Marie has a very nice voice and personality. I'd love to hear more from her on your podcast. Oh, thank you, Golden Advice. So so all these French guys who hit on you and flirted with you, but um, you didn't take things further. Why not? Because they took me by surprise. Half of them are half my age. So I wasn't expecting it. So when you're taken by surprise, it's always after that you think, oh, I should have said this. I should have said that. I'm always taken by surprise. Always be ready, Marie. Yes, I have to be more ready. You should just leave the house ready. Prepared for it to happen. Yeah, 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 you should. Um, Next one is from Jagoda. Hi, Luke. I really enjoyed this episode. Thanks for creating such positive and inspiring podcast. I should make a correction there. Thanks for creating such a positive and inspiring podcast. Just a story I want to share. This is more of a joke, really. When you first mentioned chiclet, yes, without explaining it, because uh, chiclet is a genre of fiction, which is basically romantic stories, probably written by women to be read by women. Chicks are girls. Chicklet lit is literature, so it's literature for girls. Anyway, when you first mentioned chicklet without explaining it, my first thought was, given the title of the episode, cheek lit, with lit used as a past participle of light. Ah. Right, so light something something is lit, meaning it's 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 lit up, it's it's um, uh, glowing. That it means something that makes you blush. I like that. Yes, it makes sense, that interpretation. Cheek lit because the cheeks on your face would be blushing because you'd be kind of um, embarrassed by the romantic or slightly sexual content of the story. Cheek lit, like your cheeks are lit up because you're blushing. I like it. I like that little term. Yeah. Stanislav Ivankov says, thank you loads for this brilliant episode. I absolutely enjoyed it. I wouldn't say I absolutely enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. You can't absolutely enjoy something. I don't know. I don't know. I absolutely, I know you wouldn't technically. I absolutely enjoyed it. But people do. It's, people will say that. But enjoy is one of those words that. Yeah, I absolutely, I absolutely, absolutely loved, loved it. it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely loved it. I really enjoyed it. Absolutely loved yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the topic is a fascinating one for me, and I got really interested in the book by Ms. Marie. Now, um, that would be Ms. Connolly. Not Ms. Marie. People do that with my name a lot. They call me Mr. Luke, but obviously it's Mr. Thompson, <laughs> right? Mr. Thompson. As a result, I bought the book and I've already started reading it together with my iTalkie teacher um, at our lessons or in our lessons. It's a pure joy. 
Uh, Marie ha is an excellent writer and storyteller. M many thanks once again. Um, so he is uh, a student of English who has been, he's been taking lessons on italki, which is a platform for one-to-one -one lessons, right? And he's, with his teacher, he's been reading your stories in his English lessons. I love it. I love it. What an excellent way to spend your English lesson. Yeah. and Because it's conversational English. I didn't, hadn't thought of that. I think it's a very good idea. Reading through the stories and like, you know, checking pronunciation, checking vocabulary, letting the teacher correct you. And then, um, you know, that's a really good idea. And then maybe, you know, discussing things that come up and stuff. Really good idea. Very good. Thank you for that comment. In English, le in English lessons, people always assume that they should use newspaper articles as the sort of basis of the lesson, that you go through the, some article from The Economist. But that's so, so sort of dry. Yeah. But uh, stories like this, you know, anecdotes about, you know, personal encounters, I think could be a really good thing to do. Stanislav... Stanislav, Stanislav also um, published some of those videos on YouTube of him with his teacher reading stories, reading your stories. You can actually see some of those videos on YouTube. I'm going to check it out, Stanislav. Yeah, I'll send you a link to, to, the, to the video. Thank you. But that's very cute. You can see his teacher kind of listening along. There are little moments of laughter as they explore the stories. That's nice. I'm cheek litting. I'm cheek litting <laughs> at the moment. Yeah, Marie's cheeks are lit at this point. <laughs> she's, blushing. She's blushing because she's what? Because you're. I'm impressed and I'm uh, I'm flattered. Yeah, yeah. It's nice, isn't it? Yes. That's very nice. Thank you. Yeah, and listeners, if you do read uh, Marie's stories, if you get uh, "Dude's Got a Snowboard" and other books in the series, then you know, leave reviews, leave reviews on Amazon or wherever you got your your books. You know, leave a nice positive review with some comments. It makes a huge amount of difference because you know, when you go and look at a book, you check out the reviews, the star ratings. It does influence your decision to to buy the book or not. So, if you get the book and enjoy it. Make sure you leave a quick review. It would make a big difference to Marie's future as, a, as an author. Thank you, because it's so useful. Because, you know, like um, I have seven reviews on the Amazon site and, and eight reviews on the UK site. And apparently you need like 500 million reviews. Uh, no, you need like minimum of like 30 reviews. And yeah. it's crazy. People just forget. So thank you, Luke, for saying that. That would be really helpful if people could leave a review because it lets everybody else know if it's their type of book, what type of book it is is what impression they got absolutely okay right well i mean um i that's probably uh probably probably about, about done now thank you so much luke this has been fun as usual yeah you're welcome yeah always thanks. nice to, to see you talk to you thank you, you. Know, share a few stories yeah okay good luck with the book and uh speak to you on the podcast again at some point okay thank you for having me cheers So that was Marie Connolly again. Thank you again to Marie. And yes, you can find her books on Amazon. Her writing alias is Muddy Frank. That's the name she uses when she writes, Muddy Frank. And you could search for Dude's Got a Snowboard and Gotta is spelt G-O-T-T-A. Dude's Got a Snowboard. You could uh, search for that. But just to make things easier, there are links on the page for this episode on my website that will take you straight to where you need to go. And it's not just available on Amazon. I think you can find the book in other places too. So thanks again to Marie. And right, well, listeners, hello, hello again. Here we are. Here I am talking to you again, um, this time on the other side of the conversation. 
And, you know, well done to you for continuing to listen to the episode. I know from, like, data, metrics that I get from the internet that um, not everyone listens all the way through to the end. In fact, I mean, certainly on YouTube, for example, YouTube is different to podcasts. People's viewing or listening habits are completely different to the way that people listen to podcasts. But on YouTube, people normally only get through, I mean... You get an average number of, you, you get an average duration, and it's normally about ten minutes for an hour-long episode. So it seems that like most people kind of just do something else after ten minutes. But maybe that's just YouTube that people are, people have just got no attention span on YouTube, and plus YouTube itself, the platform is constantly shouting at people to say, "Hey, look, watch this! Stop watching that and watch this." As long as you stay on our platform, we don't care. Um, so anyway, um, you are one of the special ones because you're still listening. And so, yes, how is everything going with you? Now, I'll say that things are actually pretty busy here uh, in in Lepland with a lot of work going on, which I won't describe, and also some fairly complicated general life stuff. Basically, uh, we are in the process of moving to a new flat. And if you've moved flat or moved house, then you'll know how complex and disruptive that can be. I think you've heard me talking on the podcast lately, saying things like this, that I've got a backlog of episodes that I've that I recorded, which should help. But of course, the, the we need to have work done on the new flat and the work is starting a bit later than expected. It's probably going to go on longer than expected. We might not move into the place until September. But in the meantime, we've got lots of things to sort out. So life is going to get a little bit complicated. Of course, I'm not complaining. I'm very happy. This is our first flat together, that which we will own. We've actually bought a place. It will be significantly smaller than the place that we live in now, which is going to be complicated. Now, I don't want to ramble about this too much now, because what I'd like to do is a full-on rambling episode. I don't know when. In the next couple of weeks, I'll try to record some kind of full-on newsy rambling episode where I just kind of go on about all this stuff. And I've got lots of other things to share with you as well. So I should do some kind of rambling episode at some point. But let me just say a few things now. So, of course... What's involved in in moving? Of course, all our possessions will have to be packed in boxes, moved to a completely new place, and then unpacked. And that's after all the decoration work and sort of other... It's not just decoration work. We're having sort of a lot of work done, completely different kitchen, bathroom. That We're almost redesigning the entire place. We're having lots of work done in the new place and all that stuff. I will be I'll be leaving my pod room where I currently record my podcasts. You know it from videos that you might have seen. Um so I, I will obviously be leaving this this room. I mean I couldn't stay. Imagine we we move out of this flat, someone else moves in. It's like, oh yeah, um that guy upstairs, yeah, that's just Luke from Luke's English Podcast. But you know, just ignore him. Go about your lives. He's just recording podcasts upstairs in your flat. No, I will obviously have to move as well, and I'll have to take everything down. All the books are going to come off the shelves. All my equipment will be boxed up. All the guitars are coming down. Everything is moving. What is cool 
is that I'm going to have my own dedicated office slash recording space. 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 It's like a a mix between a place and a space. No, space is not a word. Uh, But I'm going to have my own dedicated office slash recording space slash pod room. Um, I'm going to have my own place. It's going to be incredibly small, more of a more of a cupboard really than an office. But it will be my headquarters for Luke's English podcast, and it's not going to be part of our new flat. It's in a completely different location, but it's five minutes on foot from our new place. So basically, I'm I'm we're buying a little cupboard somewhere nearby, which I will set up as my pod, my new pod room. Anyway, we we have a lot of stuff to get done and our lives will be kind of turned upside down over the next couple of months. Plus, we want to do a trip to the UK for a holiday, which could be complicated considering the COVID situation there and various other things. So I don't know how this is going to affect the podcast over the next, what, two months, maybe three? I don't know how it's going to affect things. Um... I suppose there's a chance that I won't be able to record, which would be a pity, obviously, uh, although I'm sure that you would understand. I would have to publish some premium content, though, because I've got to prioritise that. So if things get to a point where I can't really record, I would find ways to do the premium stuff, but everything else would have to be put on hold. Um, But as I said before, luckily, I have a few episodes recorded and edited and ready to be published, and they will continue to arrive over the next few weeks. But meanwhile, things in LEPHQ, that's Luke's English Podcast headquarters, are a little bit chaotic at the moment. I won't go into it in further detail at this point. Um, But as I said, I will try to publish a rambling episode with news and comments about what's going on, and maybe I'll respond to some listener comments and stuff like that soon. I've also got a recording I did with my daughter. It's been a year since um, I played her talking on the podcast, so you might want to hear how her English has developed in that time. So in any case, podcasts will be arriving as normal, at least for the next four weeks or so. So everything should be shipshape in podcast land, even if things are a bit crazy behind the scenes. We will see if I can continue to create and publish content during the madness of the next few months. Now, I said I wouldn't ramble too much here. I will save it all for a full-on rambling episode next time. Um, one thing I will add is that I've been... So my YouTube channel has kind of blown up a little bit recently. Obviously, I got to 100 thousand subscribers lately and that's shot up already to what is it now weird like once you cross the threshold of a hundred thousand suddenly um you can kind of um you suddenly get even more uh does that make sense i don't know what am i on now what am i on now i am on one hundred sixty thousand subscribers now so I don't know what's going on, but uh, I published a few um, video versions, video episodes of these uh, of these podcasts recently, and they kind of got they did really well. Um, the most notable ones being um, the mountain. You know that short story I, I read out that had that's got to two hundred and seventy thousand views, so it kind of went viral. Also, the umbrella man, which I did three months ago, that's at about three hundred and forty thousand views. And some other episodes also have become really popular. Describing John Lennon Part 1, 25,000 views on YouTube. I mean, it gets more, the audio podcast uh, gets more um, numbers than than that. Um, 
but um but like uh, the mountain and the umbrella man wow that that's good that's really good for for youtube and so things are doing very well on youtube suddenly and so i i have felt compelled to kind of feed the youtube monster a little bit so I've been, as well as working on other stuff, I've also made a few video versions of old episodes, episodes that I view uh, that I videoed, and I've kind of gone back to those videos, edited them a bit, and added text on the screen. Um, so anyway, check out my YouTube channel. There's some stuff there that um, you might want to check out. But yes, no rambling. That's what I said. Um, but. Um, in any case, I hope you're all well out there in podcast land. Now, at the end of this episode, I thought that I would sing a couple of songs, actually, which I've been playing recently. Um, it's been a while since I sort of uh, played uh, the guitar and sang for you on this podcast, so I thought this would be a, a good moment to do that. So two songs that I've been playing recently. I actually have a list of songs. Where I, I kind of, you know, sit, sometimes just sit down in the evening with a guitar and I just think, hmm, which songs can I do? And I and I build a list of songs which I'm either working on or ones that I feel like I can do. And these two are are at the top of my list at the moment, which means they're the ones I've been sort of playing recently. Uh, they're both by Beck. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Beck. Um, but um, Beck's sort of amazing. I'm a huge fan. He does such diverse stuff, some kind of party music, and then some other like acoustic, folky kind of country stuff. And um, so I thought I'd pick out two of his more acoustic-y songs to play. Uh, let's see, which ones shall I do? Um, so two songs. I think the first one... Is, yeah, the first one I'll do is called Lost Cause, and it's from his album from, I think, 2002, which was called Sea Change. I understand that the album was, was written um, when he'd broken up with his long-term girlfriend. So it's an album of kind of loss and, well, I don't know if any of you have ever sort of broken up with someone who you've been together with for a long time. You'll know it's a, it's a very um, emotional time and you see the other person in a totally different light. So Lost Cause is, I guess he's singing to his girlfriend who he's, you know, he's just, he's realised that it's over between them. I get the impression that um, he's singing about a time when he, he, he met her or spoke to her on the phone and how it was indicative of how things had come to an end between them. It's a sad song, but it's also kind of, I don't know, I find those sorts of sad songs to be, I mean, the, the songs on that album, they definitely have a sad feeling, but there's something positive about it too. The sense that he's moving on and there's sort of um, um, more positive things coming. That It's like going through a very bad time and coming out at the end feeling a bit better. There's that feeling about um, the song. So that's Lost Cause. And then the other song... I'm just checking my notes here because sometimes when I when I um, play songs on my own, I'll write down some some ideas. So the other song by Beck is called Dead Melodies, and that's going to be the second song I'll play to you. And Dead Melodies is from the 1998 album called Mutations, and um, it's a it's sort of a beautiful and mysterious song. Um, the the lyrics are very poetic. I honestly have no idea what the lyrics are about 
but they're very poetic. They're quite dark and quite gothic. There are some sort of weird, slightly um, dark uh, images in there, but it's played with a kind of light folk style. I'm not sure if it's a pretty, an upbeat song or a dark and depressing song. I don't know. It seems that some of the lines are pretty dark and other lines are a lot more upbeat. It, the, the lyrics are surreal and weird. Uh, but I hope you like it. So I'm now going to play um, uh, Lost Cause by Beck and then Dead Melodies by Beck as well. And I'll say bye-bye to you now, okay? So at least I do the bye-bye-bye properly. And if you don't want to hear me playing the guitar and singing, I totally understand. And you you can just uh, switch off um, when I say bye-bye-bye. But for the rest of you, keep on listening uh, to hear two songs. And you'll see the lyrics um, there'll be links to the lyrics on the page for this episode if you'd like to check out those words. Okay, thanks so much for listening. Hope you enjoy the music, and I will speak to you again in the next episode. But for now, it's time to say goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. Your sorry eyes cut through bone They make it hard to leave you alone Leave you here Wearing your wounds Waving your guns At somebody new Baby, you're lost. Baby, you're a lost Baby, you're a lost cause There's too many people You used to know They see you coming They see you go They know your secrets you know there's This town is crazy Nobody cares Baby, you're a lost Baby, you're a lost Baby, you're a lost cause I'm tired of fighting Tired of fighting, fighting for a lost cause. And there's a place where you are going, you ain't never been before. No one left to watch your back now. Standing at your door Ain't that what you thought love was for Baby, you're a lost Baby, you're a lost Baby, you're a lost cause tired of fighting I'm tired of fighting I'm tired of fighting
Fighting for a lost cause are clowning this town Who could disown themselves now listening to Luke's English podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.